0: Thank you. Wow. Yeah, it's great to be here, and I've had a really moving, actually, time with these young people. It's it's we do work with young people, um, not in this particular way with this many hours. That was a lot of hours, man. And uh, but I have. I was just thinking while we were singing and worshiping, uh, just the the kids I just prayed with personally, and how um, at as young as some of them are, how. Complicated their world is already. Wow, it's I can't. When I was in seventh grade, I don't even think I thought about half the stuff these kids are thinking about and dealing with, and uh, so it's a real challenge. And how early um, they start thinking about deeply about their identity, which I didn't do when I was in seventh grade. I don't even remember what I thought about in seventh grade, but um, but it's a challenge because they're smart. They're smart, and they have access to lots of in- limitless information. And so how, uh, just the question of what do we do? How do we raise our kids um, in the world that we're in now? So, But that's been great. I've really enjoyed that. Um, and then being able to come over here this morning is an honor for us. So I was just telling my wife just now, um, 31 years ago, 31 years ago, about this time, um, I was... Uh, police officer out on uh dc metropolitan area and um it it was in the summer like this and i and we were donna and i we were had been married for five years and we had two kids and we were and donna was a great teacher in a school there And and we were life was good i mean it was pretty good it's what we wanted to do um, I always, I'd always wanted to be a police officer ever since I was in 8th grade. I was talking about that to the kids over there, that in 8th grade, um, I wasn't a believer, but uh, I had this very emotional experience. Um, and in that experience, I knew I had a real strong sense of my future. And it wasn't until 11th grade that I met Jesus. But at 8th grade, I had a very strong sense of my identity. So that's kind of what we were talking about with these young people, and so anyway, so went to college and all that, and we got married, and so five years into this pretty happy life, we're both believers. Uh, I made a commitment to the Lord when I went out when I got out of the police academy. So I went we went to I went to university, then into the police academy, and that when then first my first night out um, with my training officer who was the meanest guy I've ever met in my life. Still, currently, he holds that title. Um, and I had to spend a, a long time forever with him. And I got in the car with him the first night, and I, said, I had made a commitment to the Lord. I said, Lord, I will, I will, I'm in this job because you want me in this job. And I want to live out my true identity inside this particular vocation. Vocation doesn't give identity. That's a big mistake people, people make. You bring identity into vocation. We need our kids to know that early on. And so I said to the Lord, inside this vocation as police officer, I commit to you that I will move when you say move. I will talk when you say talk. And I will share my faith anytime you tell me to do it. Please just don't get me fired. That was my commitment. Um, not a really full-on commitment. Uh, but so, I, so I, come, I come out of Roll Call to meet my FTO, my training officer, and, I, and uh, he's this, they, his nickname was The Troll. So you can just take it what you imagine a troll to be like and look like. And uh, so I get in the car with him, and he says to me, how did you do in the academy? He was this stocky little Irish guy, and he says, how'd you do in the academy? And I said, yeah, I did okay, I did good. He said, no, how good did you do? I said, no, I did really well. And he said, oh, so you're smart, are you? you know this kind of question, like, I'm already in trouble, I know, you're smart, are you? How do you answer that question? And I said, well, I don't know. And he said, okay, so he said, I have one main rule if you're with me. And I said, okay, and he said, you're not allowed to talk at all. So I'm supposed to be with him a year. I know. And, uh, and I said, what? And he goes, fail. Like you've already failed. You can't even keep your mouth shut long enough for me to tell you the rest of the rule. Like, wow, this is gonna be why do I want this job? Why, why? And he says, You're not allowed to talk for one year <laughs> because if you're talking, that means I'm not talking. And if I'm not talking, that means you're not listening. And if you're not listening, that means you're not learning anything. And that was the best talk on prayer I've ever heard in my life, right there. Yeah. And I was like, did Jesus send you to say that to me? Because I think in prayer, most of it's just us talking, you know? And um, listening's really the secret to a good prayer life, <laughs> but not just listening. Obedience is good too. So anyway, so that we, so I was in my fifth year of that. I, I survived the my time with the troll, and um, actually became very close friends with him later, way later. And so, in the fifth year, fifth year, everything's going great. I had actually made detective. It was going well. I I, I loved what I was doing and um, everything was great and we get this phone call at night and you know 9 o'clock at night or something answer the phone and it's this, this magistrate this federal magistrate who I know because I had worked cases through him and you know getting search warrants and things through him and he says um, he says Jamie I uh, I want you to come meet somebody with me right now and I said okay because you don't say no to those guys. And I said, okay. And he said, and he gives me a location um, to meet him. And so I go downtown and I meet with him and I go into this place, this bar, and I, he's in there, this restaurant thing, and, he, and with him is another guy. Sit down with him. We have this conversation. This guy, this is the federal magistrate. This guy doesn't talk at all. He's just staring at me. He, so, but he's sitting. He's sitting where I can't look at both of them at the same time. Like that, which is an interview style. I'm like, oh man, am I getting interviewed here or interrogated? Or because the way they're positioned is so I can't focus, which means that this guy is going to talk and this guy is just going to observe. So it's pretty intense. I'm like, wow, hmm, what is this? So he starts asking me a bunch of questions, and this guy's just observing. And this is the senior guy, and it, so it turns out that this guy. Is the head of operations for a, a certain section of the CIA, so so this guy asked this guy to call me for we so we're meeting together. This guy's doing all the talking and then he stops and he introduces you to this who this actually is. This is so and so, who's head of operations for this division of the CIA, and he wants to ask you something. Like okay, fine. And so he pulls out of his briefcase a folder, and in the folder is every case I've ever worked in five years as a police officer. And he sets it down on the table in this restaurant, and he flips it open, and he starts looking through the cases that I've worked, and he says, okay, this one. How did you do this? What did you do here? And uh, I'm, I remember the case, and I said, you're not going to like how I did that one. And he said, I don't care. I want to know how you did it. How did you work this case? How did you make the arrest? How did you close this case? And I said, well, it was a gang case. And I said, well, that guy, that guy, um, we went, me and my partner went, and we had this problem in this neighborhood with this gang. And so we went and found the leader, and I brought him to my house. (laughs) Yes. And uh, I brought him to my house, and Donna made him dinner. And he stayed the night with us. And through that process, he came to faith. And then I drove him back, and we put him back inside the gang, and he changed the whole gang. I said, so that's how I worked it. <laughs> yeah. He says, yeah, I don't like that strategy. But, but he said, however, it did work. So he said, what about this one? He points to another, one, and I said, oh, that was, a <laughs> that was a different strategy. He said, good. So, the, this, so this was a case where we uh, infiltrated a gambling ring, which is very hard to do, actually. So, we, so there was this gambling ring operating in our area, and so we actually, we actually found the leader of the gambling ring, but that's not so hard to do. What's hard to do is to get all their ledgers and books and everything. So we found him, and then we, found, we met his wife, the Lee guy's wife, and we invited her to the McDonald's, very strategic spot, and bought her coffee and shared the gospel with her and she came to faith and she went home and talked to her husband and brought all of the gambling ledgers to us. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and so that ended that. What was funny about that one was that the FBI had been trying to get inside that thing for five years. And we were just street officers. And so, um, anyway, so I said, so we did that. And so every case that he looked at that this guy wanted to know about involved the spiritual transformation of the person in the case. So so he listened to that for some time. (laughs) He's a very stern, gruff guy. Not as bad as the troll, for sure. Um, And so at the end of this questioning interview process, he says to me, can you do this inside the Muslim world? Can you do what you're doing here? He didn't even, this is important. He didn't even agree with what I was doing. All he agreed with was the results. This is what Jesus said. Buy your fruit. They will know you. Anybody can talk. I can preach in a restaurant. I can do all that stuff. This guy says, show me the fruit. Like, just show me the result of what you do. That has so much time. So much time. And so uh, he said, can you do this in the Muslim world? And I said, well, is the Muslim world different than my world? Like, what's the, are they not people? <laughs> you know, that's how we think, right? They're not people. They're not like us. They're them. Kind of like the Jews thought of Samaritans. Except Jesus doesn't think like that. Jesus doesn't have enemy groups. We do. And we are wrong. Anyway, so he said, I said, I think so because they're just people. Are they worse than the gang leader? I don't know. Are they, are they does coffee at McDonald's work universally? I think it does. I don't know. There's McDonald's everywhere. They think it does. So he offers me a job. And if so I always tell young people if you want to get promoted in your career your vocation learn how to share your faith but learn how to do it learn how to do it so that your supervisor or your boss goes up when you go up and they don't get fired sued because you keep wrecking their world because when the kingdom comes it brings life That's what it brings alive and free and so uh, the first time i was with my sergeant when i got cut loose the first time i was with my sergeant i he, he, i was in my first, my rookie year apart from a training officer and one night i'm working and he we're talking and i i decide i'm gonna tell him about jesus my sergeant and so i get ready and i'm okay here we go and i start to talk to him. He go stop 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 he says are you getting ready to tell me about jesus and i'm like maybe i don't know <laughs> haven't decided yet. I'm going towards no right now, but maybe. No. He said, are you going to tell me about Jesus? And I said, well, yeah. Um, And he says, "Um, what kind of police officer are you? And I said, I don't know what that means. And he said, no, are, are are you good at this job? Are you good at this job or not? And I said, well, I don't know because I'm just a rookie. And he said, I don't know either. So wait until I know whether you're a good police officer or not before you start talking to me about Jesus. I was like, wow. Hmm. And so I worked a case. I worked a kidnapping case. And in that kidnapping case, the kid abducted from a school bus stop. I was the first one on the scene. This is back, you know, before computers and all that stuff. And so work working the case, helicopters out, we got a perimeter going. I go talk to the parents, I tell the parents what's happened, the parents freak out, of course. And um, me and my partner are talking to him and the father of the child that's been adopted. It was a random, weird thing, not very common back in those days. And uh, he's, he's freaking out. And I said, I promise you we're going to find your kid. I promise you. Which you never tell a parent something like that. Never. I don't know. And I walk away and my partner's like, why did you say that? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just was upset too. I have kids. He's like, man, we are going to get in so much trouble because you said that. So we split up. I get in my car. I go. He goes to do something else, and I drive away from the scene. I'm inside the perimeter. I go towards the edge of the perimeter, and I pull over, and I say, God, why did I say that? Why did that pop out? Like, I'm, I'm professional enough, no, not to do that emotional stuff like that. Like, why did I say that? And then I think, maybe God wanted me to say that. Did you want me to say that? And so I pray, look, God, you know where that kid is. You know where he is. You know where he is. Are you trying to tell? Are you trying to teach me that you can lead me like that? And so I'm praying, and I'm thinking, and this car comes down the street, past me, and I feel like I'm gonna throw up all of a sudden, just tremendously nauseous, and I'm like, what? And I see this car go around me, past me. And I just pull out and I cut the car off. I cut him off and I jump out and I go, get out and open your trunk right now. Open your trunk right now. And the guy's like, he gets out and he opens the trunk and there's the kit in the trunk of the car. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now, like I, I like, obviously that doesn't work all the time. But that, that was early in my career. And so this CIA guy, these are the kinds of cases he's asking me about. And so, when, so, I, so I call the detectives. They calm. They arrest the guy. The, the senior detective comes up to me. He goes, why did you stop that car? Like, when we're in court, what is going to be your reason in court that you stopped that car? He, and he goes, why did you stop the car? And I said, well, I was sick to my stomach. He's like, nope, no, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> well, I was praying, no, 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 no. Um, and so then I had to think. Uh, we call this bringing something from the intuitive down to the rational. Is what you're doing. You're in, in your prayer life. You're in the intuitive, which every great inventor and discoverer moves in the intuitive mind up here, because you have to go above rules to create new things. If you just stay down in rules, you never are anything new. You just repeat the old thing. Every every inventor knows this. So here's what we know today. Here's what we think is true today. And next week, this can all change because we discover something else. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, get rid of this, but it builds on top of it to another level. Every, everything works like this. This is how our spiritual life ought to be going. You start here and you move here and here and you might drop, but you drop at a higher level and here and up and up and up right on into eternity. That's a, you, this is not the life. That's not it. Yeah, I got him right here. I got Jesus. There we go. Thank you very much, Lord. I'm good. Thank you. That's not it. That's called losing. That's losing. You're losing. What's God going to do with you? Like, no, I'm I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. Good. I got it. Yeah. Like that. Um, And so we worked that case. I got officer of the year for that case. Go to the ceremony with the chief. The only one of two times I actually met the chief was those two. Another time, but, and so after it's over, I, so they asked me, the chief says, you know, why don't you tell everyone how you did that? And I was like, yeah. I, did, I just said, well, it was my really good training for my sergeant who was there. <laughs> what, the best sergeant in the police department, right here. Ladies and gentlemen, give him a hand, you know, and everyone claps. And, uh, and I said, and yeah, and I, think it, I, said, I think it has something to do with faith. Faith is the substance of the things we hope for. It's the evidence of the things we can't see yet. That's what it is not magic. It's real. And so when it's over, I come down, and my sergeant's standing outside, and he comes up to me, and he shakes my hand, and he goes, Now, tell me about Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So this CIA guy says, can you do that among Muslims? What's the difference? You know who makes it into something harder? We do. Like, oh yeah, but that's over there with them. That's, that's different than here. Is God as powerful over there? We don't think so. God wins here. I don't know if he's winning over there. You know, I don't know. Is he strong everywhere? We don't know. We act like he's not. I know what we say is not what we do. Anybody can talk. Jesus says, look, don't give me a lecture on this stuff. Let me see what you're doing. That's what he does. So uh, this passage, this passage really struck me because of these young men and women over here. Just think if these men and women, these young people over here, get the idea that they're invincible. What What would happen? What if they think that the words of the Bible are actually true. Not just stuff you hang on your refrigerator and put on coffee cups, but they actually are become convinced that it's true. You know the way that they'll become convinced by actually doing it, which I've loved so far watching them, the things they're doing. They're going out and doing stuff? Wow. That's amazing, because most believers, they don't do that. If we did, We wouldn't be in the situations that we're in. Do you know why we're in those situations? Because we're afraid. We are. And we're self-protecting and self-promoting. And that's mostly what we do. Like, that's not good, y'all. That's not good. So this passage right here, and I can just really touch it because we're like, you know, we have time things here. But I just want you to get this idea in your mind it's it's a very familiar passage and this is really a pattern off from genesis all the way through so all all the way through the scripture the meta narrative of the whole bible is the kingdom of god that that you and i are inside of the kingdom of god do you know that when it, it, like, if the when you come on an aircraft carrier, when someone comes on an aircraft carrier, they announce the person by what they represent? So if the secretary of the Navy comes on an aircraft carrier, they go, the United States Navy has arrived. That's what they say. And if the president of the United States comes on, they go, the United States of America has arrived. Do you know what they should say when you walk into Costco? The kingdom of God has arrived. That's what they should be saying. Yeah, that's what they should be saying. Oh no, here comes the kingdom into the 7 Eleven. Oh boy, watch out. The whole kingdom just walked in, and it's just you buying milk. Do you know what? We don't believe this stuff. We are so scared. You are the kingdom. When the president of the United States gets on any aircraft, it becomes Air Force One. It's not Air Force One because it's a certain aircraft. It's Air Force One because the president gets on it. When the president gets on a little Cessna, the entire United States of America moves to protect that little plane, and it becomes Air Force One. <laughs> That's when Jesus comes into your heart. You are the kingdom of God, and everything in the kingdom moves with you. What if you believe that? So this passage in Luke 5, I'm going to do it in three minutes. Here we go. Ready? This is the passage where, you know, Jesus is talking to the crowd. It's it's the first time that we see in Luke that he encounters the disciples. And the disciples, I don't know if you've ever really looked into this, the disciples are young. They're not like 30-year-old British guys that you see in the Jesus movies. You know, they're young. They're teenagers, T- Peter is the oldest. He's, all we know is he's older than 18. The rest of them are probably younger because they don't pay the temple tax when Jesus is challenged. Jesus only pays for two, him and Peter. He doesn't pay for the rest of them. They're too young. They're, they're those got kids over there at the retreat. At, that's, that's who Jesus would go get. He wouldn't be in here. He's like, too late. You know, he'd be over there. and we're like trying to protect these kids from the world like they're in some kind of peril or danger instead of teaching them that they're more than conquerors let's go do it Gosh. So Jesus comes in this scene, and I guess all, the only thing I want to tell you because of the, the, my limit here, but I'm gonna, we're going to talk tonight. I, I'm, I can't wait to hear what these kids say tonight. If you, I would come back tonight if you want to believe again. You know. Or, so Jesus comes up, and he just walks through this progression. This is the whole idea I want you to get this morning. You are on a progression. With, if you're in the kingdom... You, you're on an upward escalator. And the only way that that escalator isn't going to take you to the top is if you turn around and walk back down it or jump off of it. When you step into the kingdom, Jesus is, oh, here we go, Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you in? Okay, here we go. And every time he teaches the disciples something, they're like, we think we got it. Good, good, here we go. Like, that's not everything you're going to teach us? No. Like, come on, let's go. Here we go. Here we go. And they think they got that, and then he's already gone, doing, t- taking them to the next thing, right on into where they're not even afraid to die. They're not even afraid to die. That's they went from this to, I don't care if you crucify me, do it upside down. I don't care. Well, how did he do that? How did little Peter, who in this passage all Jesus says to Peter, is can I step on your boat? Man, when Jesus says, can I step on your boat? That's not where it's going to end. <laughs> that is not the end. He's basically saying to Peter or you or me, can I step into your life? Can I step into your life? Because I don't, maybe Peter, maybe you're content with doing this all day because they're washing nets. Maybe you're excited about this career. Shh, shh that's, pretty, that's a great future, it is. Do you want to do that the rest of your life? You can. It's a great job. It's probably really secure. Probably really safe. You'll probably never have to talk to a Samaritan doing that. You'll probably never have to deal with a Roman soldier. And good, because they're the enemy, you know. We don't want to deal with them. We're ignoring them. We don't talk to them. They're the enemy. But So if you do this, it's going to be great. This will be, but... If you get bored with this, shh, shh. does this change every day? No. Sometimes I go like this. Shh, shh. Wow, <laughs> that is exciting. Okay, that's exciting. If you want, if you, if you're not content with this the rest of your life, let me just stand in your boat. Let me just stand there. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to stand in it. If Peter says no, nope, I don't want you in my boat. This is the rest of his life. Shh. It's his choice. Peter's like, "Mm, okay, you can stand him in my boat. His whole life changes in that one agreement. (laughs) Everything goes up 10,000 levels when he goes, when Jesus says, can I stand in your heart? I mean your boat. I mean your heart. I mean your boat. And you go, ah, that's kind of risky, but it's not that bad. I guess I could let him into my heart. Step in. Everything in Peter's life changes. And then Jesus takes him on this progression. Can I push your boat out into the shallow water? Like, I know I'm in your boat. I got. What if we, like, went out into shallow water together? Can we do that? If Peter's like, no, you can be in my heart, but don't tell me where to put my boat. I'm just saved. I want to go to heaven. That's it. And that's okay. And you're done. See you there. See you in heaven. But he says, oh, I can push out in shallow, I guess. Pushes out in shallow. His whole life changes again. Can you walk over to that mall and do what I tell you to do? Ah, I really just came to go to heaven. But I guess I could walk over there. Everything changes. And then Jesus like, how do you like the shallow water? Did you die in the shallow water? No, actually, it's, you're in the boat. I'm in shallow water. It's looking pretty good. Let's go deep then. Do you want to go deep? No, I'm staying in the shallow the rest of my life. I'm staying right here in the shallow water and I'm keeping my family in the shallow water. I'll let you into the boat and I'll let you go shallow. I'm not going deep with you. Do you know why? Because you might hurt me. That's what we think. You might put me in a place where I get hurt. I'm not going there. But I'll be telling everyone about you. About what about me? That you are awesome in shallow water. And Peter's like, well... Yeah, let's go deep, go deep, get out in the deep water. And then Jesus says, okay, we're out here. How's it going? Here, out in the deep water. Let me tell you what to do in the deep water. Throw down, throw down right now. Throw down right here in the deep water. Peter's like, I've tried that before. It comes up empty. You haven't had me in the boat before. You haven't been in deep water with me. Throw down where I say throw down. Throw down. Throw down right there. Right now, throw down right now, right there. And he throws down and his whole life changes and he gets the first picture of what Axe is going to be like in his future. How old is he? 19? And then he says this incredible statement. He realizes what's happening. He starts to move in his true identity. He calls other people into the catch. It's everything he's going to do in Acts in the future. It's already in him. It's already there. He just doesn't know it and he doesn't know how to access. And Jesus is like, let me show you who you truly are. I'll show you who you really are. You will never know who you really are. Washing nets every day. But if you want to come in deep water with me and let me tell you where to throw down, the real you will come out and you will be so grateful. You will be so grateful that who I've made you to be. But you will never know it, playing it safe back there in the shallow. Do you want to see it or not? And he he, he sees it, he does it. And then he he looks at Jesus and he goes, wow, that's amazing, depart from me. Depart from me, why? Because I am a sinful man. What? You saw Jesus do the miraculous and you're gonna tell him to walk away? You're not gonna chase that down as a lifestyle? You're gonna walk away, why? Because I will fail you, that's what he says. Because I will let you down. I'm afraid. I, he's not saying because I have sin in my life. That's not what he's saying. He's saying because I will, I will fail you. I, I, this is his false self. I will fail you. The false self starts to talk. I, oh, this is beautiful. I'd love to believe I'm like that. But really on Monday, you know. It's during the worship songs. I get it. As soon as they're over, I'm back down. Depart from me for I'm a sinful man. And here's Jesus' answer to him. Here's his whole secret. Don't be afraid. That's what he says. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear is killing us, killing us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be with me, and we're going after people. And they drop everything to be what they long to be on the inside. <laughs> they don't know what it involves, but it's got to be better than this. This. It's got to be better than this. And they drop everything and follow him. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to stop right there. I'd love to keep going with you on that one. Um, When when we said yes to that CIA position, that was the Lord just saying, do you want to go in the shallow? That's what he was saying. That was the shallow water. For the next 27 years, he took us into the deep water. And he showed us how to throw down our net in places we would have never done it before. And it was amazing. I mean, my question to you this morning is, what are you afraid of? Where, where is Jesus? What's he saying to you? Do you want to go in the shallow? Is he even in your boat? He's asking you a question. Can I step into your boat? I want in. And if you say yes, then you're off. That's, here's the answer every time Jesus asks you a question. Yes. You don't have to plan it. You don't have to figure it out. Just say yes and move with him. This morning, where are you afraid? Where are you saying no to Jesus? Where is he saying yes to you? And just as we worship and sing together and the prayer team come on up here, just come up and the confession is just telling God the truth. God wants on my boat, I won't let him, I'm afraid. Just say where you're afraid in your life and let the Lord speak to it and I look forward to seeing you tonight, thank you.